It's been a long week. A week of nonsense and lies and utter BS. Consider this your tonic for all that ails you politically, so drink it in. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. And welcome to the podcast. It has been a crazy weekend. The Sunday shows, everybody talking about the raid on Mar-a-Lago, which apparently wasn't a raid, according to the media. They're more concerned with the verbiage, the idea of using a word, than they are about the fact that for the first time in American history, the home of a former president of the United States was raided by the federales. I mean, think about this now. They're more concerned about a Scrabble word than they are about actually what the word means and what happened and what took place. This is the problem in our country right now. And as I've been saying, all this does is help former President Donald Trump. All this does is boost him up. But then again, maybe that's what Democrats want. My theory, as we'll talk about today, is the Democrats really don't want to see him behind bars. They want to see him on the ballot. That's right. They think he's the easiest guy to beat, and they're going to do everything he possibly can to make sure that he runs. And think about it. This is a guy who all you got to do is poke him a little bit, and he's liable to just decide to enter the race. So they know what they're doing, don't they? And they have all the powers of government to use to go after him. And if you're not talking about the economy because you're talking about Trump and the raid on his house, well, that's a good thing for them. So the media was in histrionics over the fact that a raid was not a raid and definitely wasn't political, as you understand. How could it possibly be political? But as you're going to find out today, the head of the National Archives, this guy who was so whiny about getting back all the information, actually said they should not do anything about Hillary Clinton's emails that none of the information belonged back to the National Archives, and he did not want it to be addressed using law enforcement because he did not want it to rise to that level. But when it comes to Trump, well, listen, it's game on, right, kids? Here's a little montage put together by our friends over at Grabian. In this, you're going to hear Ryan Riley, Joe Scarborough, Mika Brzezinski, Eric Swalwell, Michael Steele, and a whole bunch of other people whining about the fact that this was not a raid and definitely was not political. The FBI is a conservative-leaning law enforcement organization, and we've sort of like Thank lost the, lost the thread on that in the past six years. These attacks against the FBI, these attacks against the most important federal law enforcement agency Less in America. Less than 24 hours after a peaceful search that they gave them a yeah. heads up on. Peaceful search. It's all legal. It's all lawful. It's not a raid. They didn't. You know, they they're not there improperly or unlawfully. These attacks on the FBI are just very sort of out there and outlandish. Every person out there attacking this is essentially attacking non-politicized and independent law enforcement. Growing concerns over the reaction from possible right-wing extremists. And they're fomenting that violence uh, right now. The dangerous rhetoric that is being fomented because of this, because of how Trump talks about a raid on his home. No, man, there was no raid on your home. No raid on your home. And they use the word fomented a lot, which I had to look up. But it's interesting how they all use the same word all the time. So the FBI is not at all political. Not at all. Right. Peter Strozak uh, struck. But that's what Congressman Bernie Watson Colvin called them once. Congressman Peter Strzok, Peter Strozak. So this was a text exchange he had with his gumata, Lisa Page, back then. So he and his gumata were trading all kinds of messages about all kinds of different things. I assume whips and chains as well, maybe whipped creams. And then they got to the politics of it. Trump's not ever going to become president, right? Right? She asks him. He writes back, no, no, he's not. We'll stop it. Then they proceeded to kick some boots, if you know what I mean. But that's why a lot of us think this is entirely political, because the FBI was engaged in an all-out campaign to try to stop Trump from becoming president. That's the reality. They tried to stop him from becoming president. They said so. We'll stop it. Well, here's Peter Strzok on MSNBC. Please, people, just trust the FBI. They're all not like me. Take a listen. The FBI makes mistakes. The church makes mistakes. People make mistakes. They screw up. Uh, Should this be any reason uh, for Americans not trust that what the FBI and the DOJ are doing now is in pursuit of protecting classified documents? Well, Joe, absolutely. The American public should trust what the FBI is doing. Absolutely. They should trust it. I mean, thank God their spouses didn't trust each other. But think about it. He's going on there and he's saying that you should trust the FBI. If you have any doubts about the FBI, they just make mistakes. You know, an agent and an attorney working to stop a American citizen 
from becoming president of the United States of America. That's what they were doing. And this is where Russia collusion comes in. They were orchestrating with the dossier and the Russia's all the nonsense to try to stop Trump from becoming president of the United States. So the question is, do all the left-leaning media, they call each other before Sunday shows to make sure they're all using the same vocabulary? It's not a raid in the former president's home. It's a peaceful search, a peaceful search that has never happened to any other president or former president. I mean, there's no going back from this. Even CNN contributors agree we have come to a place we can never go back from. Take a listen. This can only end in one of two ways. Either former President Trump has to get indicted or Merrick Garland has to resign. When I heard you say that, I was wondering, why is why is this? Why are there only two ways out of this in such an extreme way? There's no going back now. I mean, we're all at the circus now. We're under the big top, and Merrick Garland's going to have to produce a clown on stilts juggling flaming bowling pins at this point. I mean, we're here. We're waiting. They have taken the unprecedented step of raiding the home of a former president. And pro- How do you know about my former job in college? Listen. He's right, though. We are in a circus, and he has placed DOJ's credibility on the line. Scott Jennings knows what he's talking about right there. There's no going back right now. We think maybe this guy violated up to three different laws, not including the laws they may be investigating him for on January 6th. At this point, how do you go back? You can't go back. This is a question of credibility. He says, how do you put the toothpaste back in the tube? If you don't indict him now, you basically will open up the Department of Justice's credibility for an attack that's like, well, I guess you did it for political purposes. Of course. And that's what we all think. This was for political purposes, just like Russia collusion and the dossier and everything else. But at least this guy's acknowledging that the Rubicon has been crossed and you can't go back. Let's face it. The next president or Republican is probably going to look at Joe Biden's house, too. What does Joe Biden have with Hunter Biden? Any little details connecting the dots between their trip to China and maybe all the money that Hunter made? Possible. The point is that the FBI is being used politically, and that's because the FBI has always been used politically. These are the same people that spied on Dr. Martin Luther King. They spied on Elvis. Let's stop pretending as if they're all holy grail, but the left loves them because they're big authoritarian. I don't want to dismirch individual FBI agents, but the agency as a whole is run by politicians, and politicians have agendas. Here's Jason Riley from The Wall Street Journal talking about how this is all political theater. Happened in U.S. history, a president's home being raided. And there's a, a, you know, Donald Trump has been out of office for 18 months. If these documents are so sensitive, nuclear secrets, highly sensitive material, why did the Justice Department wait so long? What's the urgency here? Why did the Justice Department wait so long to do this? Is the, and, and the public here is asking these big picture questions. Is this a fishing ex- expedition for January 6th? Is this about going after uh, one of President Biden's potential opponents in 2024? Uh, this looks like political theater, I think, to the average voter. Yeah, it does. And 18 months, if it was so sensitive and so secretive, so vital to national security, why would you wait 18 months? If they're the nuclear codes, don't you think by now you want to change them? Just going on a limb here, unless they are the exact same codes that I have on my luggage, one, two, three, four, five. And if that's the case, we have a major problem. But what are we doing here? 18 months later, they go, this is so urgent. We got to send 30 heavily armed FBI agents to bust into the former president's home. And every time the government comes to your home, it's a raid. It's always a raid because you can't tell them no. You can't say to them, sorry, I'm good. Please go back. The reason for that is because they don't want you to flush your drugs down your toilet, which is a good reminder to me to flush my. Anyway, here's Dan Milbank from ABC this week talking about exactly what's going on here right now. Trump is, in fact, on the ballot. And my theory is, of course, this is exactly what they wanted. Trump on the ballot. We can talk about them motivating Donald Trump's base. Guess what? They were already motivated. Mm -hmm. But what's happening now is they are putting Donald Trump on the ballot uh, because of the way the Republicans have all uh, grasped around him, the way they're going to knock out nine of ten of the House Mm -hmm. Republicans who voted for impeachment uh, because of the Dobbs decision, because of the January 6th hearings. More and more, the midterm elections are looking less like a referendum on the Biden administration, more like, do you want MAGA back? Well, MAG is coming back no matter what. The reality is Trump voters are fired up. I think the Democrats think like this. The next logical choice besides Donald Trump for the MAGA base is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. And they know that DeSantis is he already won Florida. He's going to win Florida again. 
That's a big deal to win Florida and then win it again. The state that you must win to become president of the United States of America in 2024. DeSantis is untested on the national level, but they think Trump already lost. So they think they could beat him again. I think this is entirely about getting Trump on the ballot. They've energized Frankenstein monster, taken the bolts, powered him up, and he's going to run. Look, Democrats have been pouring hundreds of thousands of dollars into MAGA candidates across the country. Why? Because on the one hand, they go, we want more Liz Cheney's, even though she's going to lose tomorrow. Why? Because she's going to lose because the Republicans can't stand her. But they say we want more Liz Cheney's. At this very same time, they're funding candidates who are Trump candidates. They're doing so because they think those candidates are the easiest ones to beat. So they're completely full of crap when they say they want moderate, sensible Republicans. No, they don't. They want MAGA candidates to win the Republican primary, thinking that they're the easiest ones to beat in November, the general election. Well, Trump's the ultimate MAGA candidate, is he not? So it makes sense then that if they're trying to get all these MAGA candidates to win the primary, thinking they'll lose the general, it's exactly what they would do to the ultimate MAGA candidate, Donald Trump. Whereas Ron DeSantis, who knows? He's not Trump. Maybe he could win in 2024. Again, they're thinking, not mine. They're thinking. Their thinking is that if Ron DeSantis is the nominee and he's got to face Joe Biden, it's going to be a contrast between old and young, a contrast between a successful governor and a failure of a president. But if it's Trump again, well, they can go and scare everybody about his tweets and Biden can hide in the basement. That's the matchup Democrats want. Nobody wants Joe Biden to run for reelection, except if it's against Donald Trump. And Democrats also know they continue to lie and spin and call things what they're not. Biden's about to sign his tax and climate change spending bill, massive trillions of dollars of new spending. Well, billions, but you get the point. Add it all up, but it's trillions. And I got to give uh, credit to John Carl and ABC This Week pointing out to Corrine Jean-Pierre, the fembot of the White House, that isn't this a little Orwellian to kind of use the words you're using here? Take a listen. Let me ask you, it's, it's called the Inflation Reduction Act. But the Congressional Budget Act uh, uh, Office, which is nonpartisan, said that there would be a negligible impact on inflation this year and barely impact inflation at all uh, next year. I mean, isn't it almost Orwellian? How can you call it Inflation Reduction no. Act when the nonpartisan experts say it's not going to... So I appreciate that. Down. I appreciate the question. We've actually addressed this, the, the CBO. It was the top line number. There's more in there that shows uh, that it will have the money uh, from... Remember how we're doing this, too. It's it's making sure that billionaires uh, in corporate America are, pari- are paying their fair share, making sure that, it's, that the tax code is a little bit more fair. And so when you do that, when you put it in its totality, you will see that it will it will bring down, lower the deficit, which will help fight inflation. Look, here's the thing: we have 126 economists, both on the both Republicans, both Democrats, who have said it's going to fight inflation. We have five former uh, secretary so uh, secretary of treasury. Of, well, of there's CBS. more to it. It's just it it was the way that Republicans did that was so that it could make an argument that is false. It is going to fight inflation. It is we. we it has been proven. It has been said by economists across the board on the on the Republican side and the Democrat on the Democrat so, side. So, as well. so before you go, the, the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office says this will have a negligible impact on inflation. I think it's going to make inflation worse, but I don't think Democrats really care. The point is that they're in power right now. They can spend whatever they want. They can get more government. That's what they want. Also getting you to pay more for gas so you'll buy an electric vehicle. That and getting Trump back on the ballot is their battle plan going forward. Look, we're almost to the midterm elections. And what's everybody talking about again? Donald Trump. Look for an indictment this fall, probably in October, the ultimate October surprise. And then they'll battle it out in court. There's zero chance they will convict him. I mean, 0.0. He's got a great defense. He declassified everything before he left the White House. It's his word versus theirs. And this is the kind of boring minutia that will take years to drag on in court. But it's not about getting him behind bars. It's about getting him on the ballot. Be right back. It's time for fun with audio on the Rich Zioli podcast. Stupid things said by stupid people. Let's go to the nation's motivational speaker, shall we? (laughs) Kamala Harris, which she is available for corporate events because she's soon not going to be vice president anymore. (laughs) So your team can be inspired and riveted by this soaring, sweeping rhetoric. And remember something. Every time you hear the word opportunity or space, take a drink. You'll be loaded in 51 seconds because that's how long this clip is. Take a listen. We know that we really are quite behind 
in terms of maximizing our collective understanding about how we will engage on the technology of today and what we can quickly and easily predict will be the technology over the next decades. So to maintain our position as the United States of America on this issue, it is critical that we work together to understand where we are, to recognize and have the courage to speak truth about what is obsolete, and then to partner to ensure that we are speaking the same language with the same motivation, inspired by the opportunity of it all, but then doing the work of updating how we have been talking and thinking about our exploration in space. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. When she says obsolete, you think she's thinking about her boss, Joe Biden? Absolutely. Who's completely obsolete, right? Uh, he is totally obsolete. But that, I, she never ceases to amaze me. How can you make, like, the, the word salad that happens yeah. when she speaks is Unbelievable. Doesn't she remind you of the kid who didn't read the book and is giving a book report? <laughs> yes. So Moby Dick is about a whale, a whale in the sea. Yes. Whales live in the sea, and Moby lives in the sea because he's a whale. And his friends call him a dick because he's really not a nice whale. So then this guy, Ishmael, was hunting him because he's in the sea, and Ishmael was on the... You didn't read the book, did you? No, I didn't read the book. No, it's totally Isn't her. it that? Yes, that was Kamala, go talk about space. So space is in the sky <laughs> and all around us. The stars and the space and the state and the space and the... And the fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. Uh, Dr. Fauci jokes about cooking up COVID in his kitchen. Why not? Like a little, I mean, it's only killed a million people in the country and millions around the world. Why not, not make some jokes, right? Not a joke. Not a joke. Not a joke. Nobody thinks that Dr. Fauci cooked up COVID in his kitchen, but we do think gain-of-function research paid for COVID. Yep. No question about that. But here's Fauci just doing a little COVID humor among friends. Take a listen. This no, center? I, I developed the ancestral <laughs> <laughs> I created it. Yeah, that's right. You, you I was in my you, kitchen. Yeah, and I, yeah. You let it loose. Yeah. Right. Okay. What an ass kisser that guy is, huh? A total ass kisser. But also, did you notice, this is what gets me every time when I see these like little forums happening. They're the only two without masks. Yeah. And the entire audience is masked up. Sure. Like, wait, I, uh, uh, Masks for thee uh, and not for me. Yes, Got it? Yes. Masks it's for thee and not for me. Well, some people think COVID was started by a bat. So let's switch our attention to bats, shall we? Nancy Pelosi, the vampiric one, the Speaker of the House, the ultimate bat. <laughs> Bat guana crazy speaking uh, in some sort of one of her weekly press conferences, I believe, was asked the question if President Trump is a crook. <laughs> this president a crook. Excuse me? Was this president a crook? A crook? Why don't we take your question? <laughs> <laughs> Democrat Senate candidate John Fetterman, who uh, may become the next United States Senator for Pennsylvania, God help us, was asked the question of whether or not he wants to eliminate the Senate filibuster. Now, this is his first time back on the campaign trail since he had a stroke. Sad to say that John Fetterman is uh, as crazy and lefty as ever. And there he is with his wife. He outkicked his coverage. I mean, am I right? I saw Outkicked his coverage. Mm -hmm. This dude was mm -hmm. living at home with yes. his parents and then has parents paying for him to be the full-time mayor of Braddock, PA. Well, this, no, There's 1,700 people living in Braddock. Yes. But what do you do as mayor of Braddock all day <laughs> for 1,700 people? The parent allowance just stopped. I know. Like, literally two months ago. Hey, Mom, I want to be mayor of Braddock, and I have 50 grand a year. Sure, John. And then he's a full-time mayor. What does he do? Like, hey, it's Mayor Fetterman. Uh, you need your leaves raked or something? Because I got nothing to do because it's freaking Braddock, and I'm full-time mayor. So what do you want? Huh? You need me to come wipe you? I'll do that. Whatever you need, man. Hey, you want to smoke a bong hit? You know that he smoked bongs with his residence of Braddock, right? As he a full-time mayor. bongs right now, probably. He was probably like this, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's my mayoral duties, man. What's up? I'm a full-time mayor of Braddock. I got... What do I got to do? Anything? No, because it's Braddock. All right, let's do another bong hit. Well, here he is talking about what he would do as a United States senator. Take a listen. You can count 
on us to eliminate the filibuster. Eliminate the filibuster and let let's get some stuff done for America. Yeah, he's definitely still struggling after the stroke. No he, question about it. He is, I mean, that is very obvious how much yeah. he's struggling. The one question I have, what is like the black tattoo? Like, what's he covering up there? Can we like do investigative research? Well, maybe he's see? a Terminator. Have you ever thought he's on the movie? <laughs> if you notice, they open up and then they do all yes. the hardware, all the, you know, maybe it's possible what's this is under not. There? What if this isn't the old John Fetterman? What if they possibly swapped him out and put in a robot in his place. Well, they better get a better robot because I have robots stuttering like yeah, crazy. You better give a software <laughs> patch to that one. Give him the same one that Kareem Jean-Pierre gets, the same <laughs> software patch update. Uh, John Fetterman, of course, as the head of the Board of Pardons in Pennsylvania, you know this quite well, oh, Paris yes. Schillinger, having run for lieutenant governor. He oversees the Board of Pardons. He had a long history of letting criminals back on the streets. In fact, he wanted to end uh, life sentences without parole for anyone convicted of first-degree murder. Yes. Yes, he prides himself on giving out the most pardons ever. That's like he prides himself on that. That's his pride. Well, I mean, Governor Wolf took away his powers to oversee the Senate because he had the Senate completely out of control. Like his own teammate totally took away his own powers. So he decided, okay, well, I'll put all my efforts into the board of pardons and just let everyone. Out. Everyone out. Everyone. So, hey, how you doing? Uh, John, nice to see you in the neighborhood. What, you just moved in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where were you? <laughs> I was in prison for 30 years. Why? I was an axe murderer, but John Fetterman let me out. Oh, good. Hey, can I borrow your wood chipper? No, I'm, we can't borrow it. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. You know. No, 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 thanks. Uh, do we need first three murderers being released from Not prison? Not only does he let them out, he pardons them. That's yeah. the icing on the cake. And then he does a bong hit with them. Oh, for sure. You know he does, right? For sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the official, like, it's the official sound of the John Fetterman campaign. Uh, let's move over to the whack job in New York. Governor Kathy Hochul mm. signing a law requiring New York to ter- use the term incarcerated individual individual instead of inmate take a listen to address the situation change the laws by swapping the term inmates in favor of the more uh, quote unquote dignified incarcerated person governor hochel saying the reason is all about the feelings saying quote by treating all new yorkers with dignity and respect we can improve public safety by ensuring new yorkers have a fair shot at a second chance you know it's it's fast You know what? Here's the thing. If I were in prison, I would much rather be called prisoner than incarcerated individual. Prisoner denotes a badass. You're a badass. You're a prisoner. Incarcerated individual sounds like your grandpa at the nursing home and you can't get out till Saturday when it's bingo (laughs) night, right? I just can't get over the fact that the governor of New York thinks that this is going to lower crime. This is going to give people a better shot at a second chance. Sure. If you know what will give them a better shot at a second chance? <laughs> Moving out of New York. Yes. You want a second chance True. as a taxpayer? Move to Florida. You'll get a second chance. Amen. Come on. You're in prison. Prisoner, incarcerated individual. What do you want to be called? Prisoner. Every day of the week and Absolutely. twice on Sunday. In fact, the incarcerated individuals are the ones in the shower that the prisoners go after. Am I right? <laughs> For sure. That's the thing. Don't drop the soap. Not around in a prisoner. But incarcerated <laughs> individual, it's like, I'm an incarcerated individual. Yay. You know, that person's going to be someone's bitch for sure. No doubt. Soap on a rope. And that (laughs) concludes stupid things said by stupid people. We'll be right back. So great to welcome our special guest of the week. Sam Fadis is an intelligence expert, a former CIA operative and an author and magazine at Substack is his site. Sam's got a lot to say about national security and election integrity as well. Hey, Sam, it's a pleasure to welcome you to the podcast this week. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So, Sam, tell us about your organization. So, uh, in terms of election integrity, what we've done now is pull together a coalition of patriot groups in the state of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania Patriot Coalition, over 100 groups at this point. Primary focus, election integrity, which boils down in in our terms to returning us to in-person voting with hard copy ballots on election day. Hard copy ballots. So that would mean what? No more drop boxes, no more mail-in ballots? No more mail. Look, 
in terms of absentee ballots, just to be clear, absentee ballots as they existed prior to Act 77, prior to 2019, we're all for that. Nobody's trying to disenfranchise anybody. But outside of those exceptions as they existed then, no, no mass market, no excuse mail-in ballots, no drop boxes. And quite frankly, let's get rid of electronic voting machines. Let's go back to hard copy ballots. Hard copy let's, ballots. No more machines whatsoever. Look, uh, exactly. I mean, in a lot of places, what they do is they do hard copy ballots that or, or have in the past and then they're scanned. Uh, but the point is you retain a hard copy ballot that was executed by the elector the, the bottom line is here, what we're looking to do is simplify the process, right? When we move to mail-in voting and drop boxes, this has nothing to do with conspiracy theories, Roswell, you know, Bigfoot is not involved. It's just you created a system that is filled with loopholes you can drive a Mack truck through. Uh, it's a dream for anybody who wants to steal an election. And the best you can say when election day is over is nobody has any idea who won. So, you know, take us back to something simple, verifiable. When you, if you lose at the ballot box, then you lose on election day. Fine. Then we know we lost fair and square. We regroup for next time. But everybody believes in the process. You know, if you, if, when you lose that, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that you lose the republic, right? I mean, the only reason you go home at the end of the day and accept the fact that some guy won for president, governor, whatever, that you hate is because you believe it was a fair fight. When you lose that and you begin to believe, okay, this is all rigged, then then real, I mean, eventually where you get to is people are going to say, well, then why should I follow the law, obey the rules, why do I have to listen to somebody I consider illegitimate? It's like it's like acid on the foundations of the republic, if you will. Sam, to play devil's advocate, though, if we can have hard ballots that are scanned by a machine, how do we ensure the integrity of the machines that are scanning the ballots? Yeah, well, at least you're right. Look, I'd be fine if you don't scan the ballots. I'd be I'd be fine with with them just being them being hand counted. But that would take but weeks, point, maybe months, right? Yeah, right. But so at least we are at least we are paring this down to a finite number of, of vulnerabilities. Right. At least we're we're simplifying the process. I mean, look, I was a military officer. I was an intel officer for a long time. I live by the adage, like the military says, the KISS principle, keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> the more complicated a process, the more you guarantee it will break, right? The more you guarantee it won't work. It's like the difference between the way academia thinks and the way people in the real world think. In the real world, you know, the more bells and whistles you add, the more it's just going to break down and it ain't going to work. Sam Fadis is my guest. Sam is a military expert and a former CIA officer. He's talking about election integrity right now. Sam, there are a lot of people, though, who are listening and they're thinking to themselves, but everything's fine. Nothing's wrong with our election system. And anybody who suggests there was a problem is just engaging in conspiracy and cannot accept the results of the 2020 election. What do you say to that? Uh, well, look, I understand why they feel that way, because, listen, that. There is there is a tactic that is used, I would say, primarily by folks on the left, where if you challenge any assertion rather than engage you in discussion, you're simply demonized. You're labeled. Right? I agree. Yeah. If I challenge if I critical games, race theory, was, they, they purposely do that. Right, Sam? They purposely call you names for the reason right. of trying to shut you down. Right. And then you're supposed to recoil in horror. So if you challenge anything to do with critical race theory and the idea that the United States is a fundamentally racist country, you're a racist. So right. you're supposed to be terrified of being labeled and run away. If you questioned, if you suggested two years ago that the virus COVID came out of the Wuhan lab, where we know people were involved in research risk, uh, gain of function research involving that virus, you were, of course, also a racist because it had to do with China, but you were a conspiracy theorist and on and on and on. Right. So on the election issue, we don't engage. Uh, we just I mean, the, the other side doesn't engage. It just demonizes you. So, I mean, if you actually start to go through this factually, as I said, nothing to do with Bigfoot, 
Chinese spy satellites, UFOs were not involved. Uh, let's start with this. There were there was a, a report done, an examination of the results of the election right after the election, found that there were 202,391 more votes than there were registered voters who participated in the election, according to the state of Pennsylvania's own records. 202,391 too many votes. No, not again. Nobody made those numbers up. That's Pennsylvania's own data. One, your bookkeeping is atrocious and your databases are a nightmare. The other is that over 200,000 votes appeared out of thin air. If you raise that, you'll be told that it's been debunked and disproved and you're a conspiracy theorist. In reality, nobody's ever disproved it. Nobody's ever investigated. Nobody's ever. I mean, what 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 the legislature did was they sent a message and a letter to the secretary of state at that point, Kathy Bukvar, and they asked her, is this true? Are there too many votes for the number of voters? Now, Kathy Bukvar is obviously the lady who's responsible for like she's at the center of this is like it's like you're investigating a bank robbery and you ask your prime prime suspect, did you do it? Her response was, there's nothing to see here. And the inquiry was dropped. Right. So that's just one of almost endless examples of things that were simply never explored. To this day, we do not know the, the answer to, to what that means. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast this week. Really appreciate it. SamFadis.org. Very interesting stuff. Appreciate it, Sam. Take care. And now, the segment you've been yearning for. It's time for our favorite MILF, Mother in the Learning Fight. All right. Yes, everybody's favorite mother in the learning fight. <laughs> What's up there, Mama? Hi. Uh, it's crazy. So... I mean, we haven't been together for a little bit because we were vacationing. But in that little bit, the CDC and CHOP came out with uh, revised guidelines right before the school year saying that they're going to relax some guidelines, but not Philadelphia. Oh. So it's really crazy. So I'm going to show you this clip. Okay. So CDC, CHOP, they say, listen, we, we've got to, like, get back to normal. This is We're going on the fourth year of school being interrupted. It's right. crazy. It is crazy how it's been four years. I mean, we, the learning loss, the anxiety, the depression, we know this. We've heard it over and over and over. But so they, were, they, they got rid of uh, Tessa Stay. They did that, like, you know, if you were exposed, then you would have to like test to stay in the class. It's like this whole thing. So Philadelphia says, well, we're just going to ignore the science. What we're going to do is even though we are in the medium level, mm-hmm. our guidance says high level of COVID, we are going to do mask required. Medium level, we're going to highly recommend it. Philadelphia is in medium level. This is what their doctor says. For the first 10 days of school, masking will be required. Um, Masking will be required. After that, um, based on the COVID-19 community level, we will will determine what's next. So basically, you can still be a mask after 10 days. Absolutely. Medium level is highly recommended. Yeah. It's medium level, and they're still mandating the math. But doesn't it seem like this is all about teaching kids, hey, kids, remember, we're in control. We're the boss of you. Right? Start the school year wearing a mask, and remember, you work for us. So I do think it's that, but like the next slide, Rich, if you can give me my next slide. Oh, yes, my clicker. Hang on. Let me click Um, away here. So... Is it's all about the money. Yes. Like, why does COVID not go away? What I hear this every day with Back to School USA. Why do they keep doing it, Clarice? Why is it DEI and gender studies and masking and vaccine and COVID and lockdowns and all this stuff? Well, the, the just the reality is is that our public schools, since like public education, has never received as much money as they have during COVID. And a lot of the schools are sitting on it. uh, They're sitting on the COVID money. 94% of the COVID money is still being sit on, which that's what Senator Tom or uh, Tim Scott says. He's put in legislation says, if you're not going to give these these funds out to go get ventilation, like you said you were going to get this, get this, 
then I want that money that the feds have put aside to put to go to tutoring services. So, uh, Senator Tim Scott, U.S. Senator, he has put in legislation that parents can get money to do tutoring services and make sure that their kids are caught up. So. The, the long and short of this whole thing is why do they not give it up? Why does Philadelphia not give up on COVID? Because of the money. The money comes in. The teachers oh, make more. It's everybody's favorite troll under the oh, bridge, Randy yet. Weingarten. Randy's coming. Oh. Randy's coming. So Randy loves the money. More money to the Doesn't schools. she look like a troll under a bridge? She's a total she be like, troll. Give me your peso. Like, doesn't total she seem troll. like, yeah. Total troll. So, and corn. I like corn. She looks like she eats a lot of that. <laughs> corn. Ew. You know, like the trolls under the bridge, and you, and you, you throw them. Corn under yeah, the bridge? you throw them like your old corn on the cobs, like as they're going over. <laughs> you know, you throw it out the car window, thought, and they love that. I thought you'd give them like coins. And coins, coins and corn. That's what they love. <laughs> coins and corn. So. Randy loves her money. She needs teachers to make more so they get more union dues. Of course. Okay. So, the whole climate change and kids are fat now because of climate change. Because of what? Climate change. Kids are fat because of climate change? Kids are fat. Listen, I was a fat kid, and it was because of Jell-O pudding pies, (laughs) not because of climate change. (laughs) I was a fat kid. I was. I used to wear husky jeans. My parents would take me shopping, and they'd get me husky jeans. At Sears. I don't know that that makes you a fat kid, but... Well, no, I was a fat kid. That's why I wore the husky jeans. But it wasn't because of climate change. You know what it was because? Of eating too much food and not getting enough exercise. That's the reality. Well, this is what they say. CBS Morning says that kids are fat because of climate change. But... It just seems super ironic that CBS Mornings put out this study that kids kids are fat because of climate change because you have to see what Randy Weingarten, the president of the American Federation of Teachers Union, the people that keep getting all the money instead of putting our kids. Okay, we know this whole whole thing. Please Please watch her. Take a listen. Where's the education pieces here? Where's the education pieces here? <laughs> Climate change. Let if me show we you something. Actually, stop these extreme weather events. Climate change. Climate change. Uh, President of the teachers union is screaming about climate change, and Philadelphia kids are going back ten days. You know, two weeks to flatten the curve, two weeks right. masking, blah blah blah. Two and a half years later. Two and a half four years, years later. later. Now these kids are still going back. So, so let me ask you, Clarice, do you think it has anything to do with the fact that we had lockdowns and the kids were not playing sports, were not playing outside with their friends? It's maybe that's why that. they got fat. It's all of that. Maybe they were. Maybe the kids were eating too much because they couldn't sleep and they were nervous and depressed and anxious and stressed out. It is all of that. We've seen the studies. I mean, they tell us all the time to follow the science, and I'm just following the science. They're following the money. Parents are following the science. The science is there. Our kids are anxious. They're depressed. Our children are not as resilient as they have always told us that they would be. And having the fourth year of school interrupted is absolutely unacceptable. And they cannot let go of the money grab, period. CBS this morning talking about how kids are fat because of climate change. And in the piece, the audio piece for that, you can even understand sort of the cynicism of the hosts of CBS this morning. It's like, I mean, this is bullshit, like, right? Like, okay. they, like they're looking around at each other like, come on, this is this is Of course. This is bullshit. But do you not think that Randy Weingarten has a hand in that when she's just last week screaming at a rally about climate change and then a study comes out about climate change and kids are obese because of climate change? Just as long as it doesn't reflect on the teachers union, let's just keep pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. So, I mean, our children are two, three years behind. We know all this, right? This is this is a real shame. And, and really, frankly, Philadelphia... Going back in mask is a serious problem. There are children that cannot learn with mask. Speech delays, foreign languages, all the above. I mean, if I was sitting here with you in a mask, it's really hard, right? Like, how do we expect our children that to learn? That face should never be in a mask. Oh. Am I right? Is that charming? Because I'm the mother in the learning fight, right? You are the mother in the learning fight. <laughs> well, let me ask you, I mean, as the head of Back to School USA, 
Is this happening only in our nutty area of the country, or is this something that's happening across the country right now? So it's happening in very liberal places like San Francisco, New still, York, D.C. Yes. There's still this divide yes. between normal America and yes. these nutty, lefty places. I can't understand it. Yes, it's a real thing. I think liberals just—I don't want to say liberals, but leftists, I think, still to this day— Love to be afraid. They they do. They're I, I, in my mind. What I my experience of people who are really leftists is until they wake up, they're afraid of things, a lot of things, and it's why they love authority, and it's why they love people telling them what to eat and yep. what to do and yep. what to. And it's ironic because the liberals in the 1960s were like, "Listen, man, don't tell me how to live my yep. life." Right? Leftists today have this innate anxiety about them, which is why I think they gravitate to COVID, they gravitate to climate change, yep. they gravitate to doom and gloom. And I think it's because they need something that matches their innate level of anxiety. They they need to find it. They need to look for it. In the old days, we'd look for spiders, but now we're looking for climate change, you know? So I have this weird obsession, and I cannot believe I'm emitting this on camera and audio. I have this weird obsession with cults. I'm with not, what? Cults. Cults. Like, like Christian cults, oh, cults, Catholic cults, yeah. whatever, right? Just why do people go and believe this and and sometimes the cult will even lead them to death sure. right so what i have come up with is a lot of people i, I don't know that i want to say the majority but a lot of people are missing that puzzle like that puzzle piece and saying what can you like can someone just tell me how to live and tell me what to do yeah and and that's really how i look at this whole school thing i look at this whole political divide like just tell me what to do just tell me who to vote for and really as an as americans we have this like brilliant system that we should never give up on and i feel like a lot of people have just tell me what to do i need to work i need to go raise kids instead of really understanding what's going on at the localest of elections, which is school board, education, making sure our next generation is equipped, not going to the street for crime, and really going out there and being successful Americans. I agree. Well said. I have an obsession with assless chaps, but that's for a whole <laughs> other week. I do. I can't understand. Is that your cult? I can't understand why people wear them. Every time I watch a Western, I can't figure it out. Assless? Well... Can I, I can, tell you, I have a pair? Of course you do. And that's what we're going to look at next. <laughs> no, in our for the motorcycle. <laughs> the mother in the learning fight of the week. Mother we in the learning it? fight. Absolutely. Of the week. Let's go. Mom, you're such a MILF. I'm a what? You're a MILF. Where have you heard that saying before? Martin next door said to me, your mom's such a milf. But what does it mean? Well, it's obviously because I love football and I'm always saying, man, I love football. <laughs> okay. We have. <laughs> <laughs> She's pretty quick on her feet. Lovely, right? Lovely. So mother in the learning fight, man, I love football, milf. Milf. We're taking it back. Taking it back. Just like we're taking back our schools with Back to School USA. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll be right back. Mama Zioli always says you need to eat your vegetables. So here's another Joe Biden word salad. Mama Zioli always said you got to eat your vegetables, which is why we turn to Joe Biden's word salad. Here he is. Joe Biden doesn't know how to shake hands again. Here he is at a signing ceremony at the White House. Now, if you're listening on audio, and by the way, please do subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like it, give a good review, and if you don't like it, lie. Here's Joe Biden pretending to shake hands and then shaking hands again, coming in for another landing. Go ahead. Let's see it here. He shakes Chuck Schumer's hands. Chuck Schumer walks away, and then Joe Biden... Looks around, sticks his hand out again, trying to shake hands with Chuck Schumer again because he forgot that he just shook Chuck Schumer's hand. It's like real life 50 first dates. Yeah. (laughs) Hi, my name is Joe Biden. Hi, my name is Joe Biden. 
Here's Joe Biden uh, on the beach in Delaware, surrounded by 50 Secret Service agents who hate their lives, having to ride a bike on the beach with Joe Biden. Just having who's on the poop his pants detail to see if the back of the bike gets a little bit heavier. I wonder who has that duty. So no pun intended. Here is Joe Biden talking to the press. And again, this is the media giving this man an absolute pass on everything. Look at it. I go get some bathing suits. Corbopolis is a bad dude. I got to fight him in the pool. The kids love touching my hairy legs. Now, in America, when the president won't talk to the press because he's got to do shopping for bathing suits, remember when the press used to scream about the destruction of the First Amendment? Democracy dies in yes. darkness. Remember yes. that? Yes. Now he goes, I got some bathing suits. They go, mesh lining or no mesh lining, Mr. <laughs> president? Huh? Hawaiian print? No. And that's Joe Biden's word salad. No, wait. Oh, wait. Pause. Pause what? We need to know who the hell let that man on a bike again. Oh, after he fell down last time? Yes! Well, that's his, obviously his stunt double named Roy, <laughs> who does all the bike riding now, the presidential bike riding. I do have to tell you, if you listen to the video very closely, like I had to do for show prep, his resistance on the bike is so low, you can hear the chain like click, 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 click. <laughs> Well, if you see the tires, he's got tires that are car tires on the bike. Have you noticed that? Yes, I did. Like, these are the tires that Batman had in the Dark Knight on yes. his motorcycle. Yes. And Joe Biden's got him on his Huffy on the beach. For sure. Next time, we're going to have him in a wagon, like just pulling him along in a wagon. Mr. President, can we talk to you? No, yes. I got to get an ice cream cone. Okay, <laughs> sir, no problem. No worries. We don't need to talk to you as the leader of the free world. Go get your bathing suits. Also, why doesn't he have a bathing suit? And B, why does he have somebody who can buy him a bathing suit? All and is it true that Joe Biden wears a thong on the beach? That's what I want to know. Because I've heard that rumor. I, no. Is that real? No. Did you just throw up in your mouth, though? Did <laughs> you have that look to your face when I said that? Like you pictured it. I can't hear And you threw up in your mouth. I did. You did, didn't did. you? I knew it. I did. Now, can I conclude Joe Biden's word salad? Absolutely. Good, Please it's time do. for our last call. Please And we're do. thirsty. Lex! <laughs> I call Clarice's daughter in here to get us a little bit of a little hooch. Oh, no. For our last call of the day. Let's do it. <laughs> Domino's leaves Italy, where, surprise, diners prefer local pizza. Now, I've got to tell you, this infuriates me. It really does. Why would you order Domino's pizza in Italy? This is the birthplace of pizza. Why would you order Domino's, which tastes like crap, no matter where you are in the world? Consistently crap. I don't care how drunk you are in Italy. There's a good local pizzeria near you. Domino's? I'm going to tell all the listeners on you. What about what? I texted you yesterday. And? I know that Sunday is pizza day in the Zioli house. Yeah. And I said, Rich, tomorrow we are talking about Domino's Pizza leaving Italy. And I really would appreciate if you brought us pizza. I forgot to bring pizza. No pizza, just wine. Excuse me, yeah? <laughs> Domino's is a crap. Please don't order Domino's in Italy. Can you imagine ordering like, no. pineapple and ham pizza no, in Italy? That's criminal. It's a disgrace. I agree. You have the to mafia, go to jail. You know the mafia drove them out, right? Sure. No doubt. This guy, one of the guys came up to him and was like, hey, not for nothing. You don't belong here. But in America, we love burgers, do we not? We Italy do. can have their pizza. We love our burgers. Well, that's our thing. A restaurant. You found this story. What is, what is this? Where is this place? Okay, this is fantastic. This is in Texas, and I want nothing more for them to send us a Trump burger. So they are the Ooh. Trump burger. That's their restaurant name. But this is the best part. Their menu, $11 for a nice, big, juicy Trump burger. That sounds delicious. $50 for one ounce of beef on a bun for the Biden burger. <laughs> <laughs> for inflation. That's for 50 right. bucks, you get a one ounce beef topped with tomato, lettuce, yep. not fresh. And, uh, and that's fantastic. That's Whereas right. a Trump burger, you get eight delicious ounces of burger for $11.99. I think it's fantastic. It's brilliant, actually. I bet you that place is packed every night. They are booming. But listen, why I'm would you do a road trip? 
No. Let's go do a road trip to see Ronald Vianney, <laughs> a second generation Lebanese American, yes. which is weird because I thought Trump hated everybody who's not oh. born like on the Mayflower. Really? That's ironic. So anyway, he opened this in Houston, told the yep. Houston Chronicle, or Belleville, Texas. Uh, 11 bucks for Trump burger, 50 bucks for Biden burger due to inflation. And he can't get it because of the supply chain either. The Biden we are burger. taking this podcast. We are sending it Do to it on them the road. So we can have a Biden or a, not a Biden burger, no. a Trump burger next podcast. I'm, I'm banking on this. And then we're going to fly there and eat it in person. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm surprised the Biden burger is not vegan also. Oh, yeah. A right? vegan burger, a because one ounce vegan burger for 50 bucks. For sure. Well, you know, um, all the farmland is owned by Bill Gates, so and Bill yeah. Gates owns Biden, so it should be. There, there you go. She went to a dark place right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time for my final thought of the week. Uh, this week, you, what you're going to see happen is a couple of different things. Number one, I still expect that Donald Trump is going to be indicted, not this week, but soon, because the Democrats need to distract you from the economy and also to rile up their base. Remember, the Democrats need something. Their president is a doddering old senile old man, and they know that he's done, and they're lethargic because they've gotten nothing done. So they need something big to happen. If Donald Trump is indicted, then the base will be dancing in the streets, doing cartwheels with all their pink hats. That's number one. Number two, it gets Trump on the ballot, which is what they really want. Number three, it reminds us of how hypocritical the media is to suddenly love big authoritarian government again. Remember, Trump was a Nazi. He was a fascist. He was going to impose all these draconian big federal government edicts. None of that ever happened, of course. Literally happening in Joe Biden's America, even though he promised he would unite this country. You remember that? The founders of this country feared for a government that would use its power for political purposes. It's called a police state. A police state is not crowd control. It's not a cop on a horse. It's not a cop using tear gas. Those are crowd control methods, some good, some bad. Each one dependent on the individual time that they're used. But when the government uses its police powers for political purposes, that is the very definition of a police state, and it's what's happening here. The other reason why they want you talking about Donald Trump and Mar-a-Lago is because one year ago today was the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. The Taliban today was celebrating in the streets with a parade. One year ago today, 13 service members killed in Kabul. Never forget their names, which I've displayed for you on the screen right here. This was a disaster of epic proportions. This was Joe Biden's presidency in a nutshell, a failure at every turn. And these families are still grieving one year later. In fact, usually one year later is sometimes even harder than the day it happens because the denial goes away and you have to deal with reality. And they're alone and they're sad and they're grieving because this president is a failure. And the women in Kabul are grieving, too. Many of them have never seen their husbands again, even though those husbands were promised by the American military, we will protect you. But we let them down. I talked to Ryan Manning, the president of the Travis Manning Foundation recently, and Ryan said, you know what, Rich? These men were like family to us and to our service members, and we let them down. And many of them now will never be heard from again. And the women in Kabul have lost all their rights. Forget all the pink hat protests here in America. In Kabul, women have no rights. They actually asked a Taliban spokesman about that this morning on Good Morning America. You know what he said? He said, well, we believe in women's rights, but you have to remember women, women's rights depend on where you are in the world. So in Afghanistan, the definition from the Taliban is women have no rights, but they have them. They just don't have them, if you know what I mean. I know it makes no sense, but neither does the government by and for the Taliban. But that's where we are, thanks to Joe Biden. It didn't have to be this way. We could have ended the war on terror. We should have. We should not still be in Afghanistan today, but we could have done it in a way that secured the country ensured civil rights for the people there, and at the same time did not empower the Taliban. But that would have required a president with leadership, and we don't have one. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again Monday. My thanks to Clarice Schillinger and to our special guest. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Like it. Rate it. Tell a friend. You're our only marketing agency that we have. Thank you. (laughs) 